We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Wednesday Rotowire Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. I'm Jake Letarski, back in today with John McKechnie. If you're out there on Twitter, you can follow John at Johnny McKex. You can follow myself at Jakeski52. So, John, first off, it's good to be back, but the big news from this week is uh, a pretty widely documented video clip here. Detroit rookie, may I add, Tyler Collins, Flipped off his entire home crowd. Now, John, <laughs> back in the day, you ever remember getting heckled in sports? And if so, how'd you deal with it? Or were you mostly the guy doing the heckling? Well, the sports I played in high school were uh, cross country and lacrosse. So uh, if, if I had hecklers at those, I mean, those were those people must be like the lowest common denominator of low lives because no one goes <laughs> to those things. But uh, I did go to an all-guys high school in D.C., and we would get pretty rowdy for those football games and those basketball games, uh, you know, letting the ref know how we felt. So we were we were pretty rough on the refs and the other teams. Uh, you know, a lot of the ref hates America when calls goes against us, things of that nature. Yeah. How about yourself? Right on. Well, uh, like you like you mentioned there, I don't think a whole lot of hecklers really come to watch like JV shot put meets or anything <laughs> like that. So or watch me try to throw a discus out there. You know, a little bit of football back in the day, but uh, I don't know. It was always enough distance. I, I did. Uh, I kind of co-led the uh, our basketball student section when I was nice. a senior with a couple guys. And now, now granted, this is in Wisconsin, but 
but this is a different time because the WIAA, the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association, mm -hmm. recently cracked down on all negative chants. So you can't even say air ball or, or you can't do that or fundamentals or scoreboard anymore. So Ugh. it's a very different day. I definitely did my fair share of heckling trying to get into the other team's head here and there. Probably crossed the line a few times. <laughs> uh, kind of, I always flirted the line a little bit, but... Pretty much everything that happened, you know, when I graduated in 2009 is has now officially been outlawed. So it's a very different day in sports. Yeah, it's. I was uh, very saddened to see the kind of outlawing of the fun of being in the student section up here in Wisconsin. But uh, on a more fantasy sports centric note, yeah. we we do have a significant little change going on tomorrow to FanDuel scoring. Uh, Starting Wednesday, an RBI is going to be worth three and a half points, and a run moves up to 3.2 FanDuel points. So, Jake, what's your reaction to the new changes? And, you know, now that we're kind of the guinea pigs, first day of this new scoring format, does this change anything for your strategies at all? You know, it might a little bit. I mean, it's not a super major change. It's, you know, it's back to fractional points. So we're going to see a lot of that again. Uh, as far as strategy goes, I'm going to feel it out early on, and it might be used as more or less a tiebreaker for me. Mm -hmm. If I have to pick between a guy that's leading off that's not much of a power guy and another guy at the same price and position that is uh, batting maybe a little lower in the lineup but has more RBI potential, I might lean towards the latter guy uh, just because the RBIs are worth an extra half point and the runs are move are just an extra fifth of a point really here. Right. So uh I you know I think it's I think it's a good change. I always like to see a little bit more scoring. I, I guess we'll wait and see. But uh Wednesday slate of games, this affects everyone on FanDuel, no exceptions. So uh just uh, be ready for that when you when you're kind of uh making those uh ma making those lineups up and, and in a tiebreaker situation is how it mainly affects me. Do you look at this any differently? Yeah it's it seemed like mostly uh something to to limit the amount of ties that we've been seeing along the along the leaderboards uh mm -hmm. so you know kind of in going with what you said you you kind of it puts more of a premium on guys that are sitting in in the uh, heart of the order uh guys that are more likely to drive be driving the runs in than the ones that are being driven in mm -hmm. uh but like you said we're gonna have to feel this out it's gonna take a few days to really kind of see if this really significantly impacts what we're doing here on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, I like how you uh, mentioned the tiebreaker thing because that, that happened to me last night. Now, I was uh, I was in the $2 big double up with a handful of lineups there, and uh, I ended up scoring, I think it was 113 or 117. It was like exactly the cut line mm. for the double up. So all of my $2 entries ended up winning, but winning $1.81. So I lost uh, 19 cents on every lineup here. Uh, now, if we have a little bit, uh, you know, I can go ahead and vent about Adam Lind and J.D. Martinez and all those guys <laughs> that got zeros. But, you know, maybe if we had some of these points, uh, there would have been a little bit of differential in that. You know, who knows? Maybe I would have lost as well. It's really tough to calculate that. But sure. uh, regardless, a new scoring format is underway. Absolutely worth taking note if you are a frequent FanDuel MLB player. Well, John, let's move on to the uh, kind of the main part of the podcast here where we're going to offer up some pitcher picks. If you are going to enter a cash game, you know, that's your 50-50s, your double-ups, like I just mentioned, if it's a big double-up, like I referred to specifically, or even one of the smaller ones, uh, you definitely want to start out with a very safe pitcher because they're by far the highest scoring player in the slate. Now, Jake Arrieta is the only pitcher above 10000 He's sitting at 12200 coming off that no-hitter, of course. He's going to be priced 
way up they're oh, yeah. creeping up on kershaw territory and then nobody else really above 10 grand you're looking at sunny gray about 9900 matt harvey 9800 and then there's some attractive middle tier options in there now john do you have a favorite out of that top tier that you're going to use in cash games i do actually now now the jake arietta going against uh the brewers that that's going to be tough to pass up but he's also at uh, 12,200. So that is, that is a lot to be investing in your pitcher. And when you look at, when you're looking at those other, uh, upper echelon pitchers, I like Matt Harvey at under 10,000. I know he hasn't really clicked yet this year per se. And he said on Friday, uh, when he was warming up before the, their game against the Braves, he's, he said, I'm back. And then he comes out and has a kind of average performance. I believe he went around five innings, uh, but he, uh, bumped his K's up to his current season high of five, and he uh, cut his walks down to one. And uh, we know that he's better than that, basically. And uh, he's going to have a chance to get on track uh, against the Reds on Wednesday. And the Reds are striking out on 20%, 20% of their at-bats, and they're only walking uh, 7% of the time. So that puts them at the fifth-worst uh, walk-to-strikeout ratio in the major league. I like Harvey to uh, cash in on that. Plus, you throw in the fact that he is a career 2.11 ERA at home. That's where he'll be pitching. I like Harvey at 9,800. Yeah, I would have to agree with your assessment there. I think if you're going to play in a cash game tomorrow, it really comes down to Arietta or Harvey. Not to discount Sonny Gray too much, but I just too many factors against him on the road against Verlander solid Detroit lineup I mean there's a lot of firepower in there especially uh with uh, Miguel Cabrera starting to get going at the plate a little bit Definitely. after slumping that makes that lineup a whole lot more formidable so I'm probably going to fade Sonny Gray a little bit uh so that comes down to Arietta or Harvey for me to be honest and uh I'm gonna try to pay up versus Arietta in um in any situation possible I think the win probability is really great against the Brewers and Taylor Youngman Youngman just can't seem to find the plate in his most recent several starts Mm -hmm. and uh you know giving up a lot of base runners and and potentially uh getting the Cubs a lot of runs the Cubs huge heavy firepower offense and uh you know Arietta his price tags up there I don't. I think it might be tough for him to hit value because he's not going to hit throw another no hitter. You know, knock on wood here. I guess up in <laughs> up in Milwaukee. But um, you know, if you're not going to pay up for Arietta or you notice that you want to throw another uh, two thousand twenty five hundred dollars on a uh, on a better hitter, then I can absolutely see going with Harvey. It just really comes down to those two. Uh, for me, and and Harvey is the biggest favorite on the day. Harvey and the Mets are minus 215 favorites. Of course, Gio Gonzalez and the Nationals are minus 195 favorites against the Phillies, but Harvey and the Mets significantly larger than that. So I like that. I also like a lot of middle-tier guys. Uh, You know, we talk about the Brewers. They have the second uh, highest strikeout rate in the majors, so Arietta is going to get to be able to strike out some batters. But, um, you, you know, the the uh, the Astros have the highest in the league at 27% right. strikeout rate. So Iwakuma, not necessarily a strikeout pitcher, but should get more strikeouts than usual and is pitching at home. So Iwakuma at 8,700, I could also see using in cash games because I, I I would think that there's a pretty good chance at at least a quality start. And, and if not that, more strikeouts than usual to help him return value a little bit there. I like that a lot too. And then you throw in the fact that I, th- I think Colin McHugh's on the, on the mound for the Astros. He's kind of had some struggles so he'll be on the road against a, a team that the Mariners they can hit a fair bit and I, I think in this case uh Iwakuma might get a little more run support than you usually see mm-hmm. so that that makes uh Iwakuma an even more like appealing option 
Yeah, right on, John. So that's what we have for uh, pitchers there. Again, pretty much coming down to Arietta or Harvey with, you know, maybe an Iwakuma in there if you want to make a third lineup or a slightly contrarian one. But let's move on to hitters, John. And where the hitters strategy discussion starts uh, is going to start with the scoring change because there's now a premium on RBI, our guy, or, um, excuse me, RBI guys over run guys thank you to a point three points differential john does that move the needle enough to change your strategy drastically when you're picking those hitters well you know kind of like we got into a little bit earlier um i think it just makes me trend towards more of the middle of the lineup uh trying to go against uh pit you know pick on pitchers everyone's always been picking on pitchers uh that are perceived to be weak you know whether that they're going against a strong lineup or they're on the roads what have you uh so in this case i think Right now, you're really going to want to look at the RBI production coming from the from the middle of the lineup, or if teams are kind of uh, turning over the lineup with, with some runs towards the bottom third of the order, uh, that could definitely influence some things moving forward. But for right now, uh, the big change here with the RBIs being a little inflated, I'm gonna I'm probably gonna chase that off the bat, see see where it takes me. Yeah, exactly. Now, one of the strategies we've been kind of touting a lot for the uh, for the start of the season for the first month here is to go and try to find guys that are batting in the leadoff spot or batting in the second spot in the order mm-hmm. and, and see if you can get them at a at a I guess an untraditional spot in the lineup and then maybe that you'll get you value there because they're going to get more at bats but now that runs are a little bit less valued compared to RBIs I think that strategy it doesn't go out the window but it becomes ever so slightly less important at the very least something to keep in the back of your mind there John definitely Definitely. All right, but looking at hitter stacks here, uh, you know, I discussed this a little bit with Chris in yesterday's show, but uh, the Pirates at Coors Field definitely seem to be the really, really the trendy stack this week. They're going to be going against John Gray, who will be making his second start of the year on Wednesday. Uh, John, are you going to pay up for Pirates again tomorrow? I think you, you're going to need to get at least a couple Pirates in there. Uh, Gray's a guy that that can. Uh, Definitely rack up the strikeouts. I mean, he only went five innings in his first outing against the Dodgers, and he still wound up with 10 Ks. So he does does have that swing and miss stuff. But, you know, by that same token, I think the Pirates are a little bit more disciplined at the plate. They're number three uh, in the majors in, in walk-to-strikeout rate, uh, as opposed to the Dodgers, who are still solid at 10th overall. But I think the Pirates, they're going to have those guys that are getting on base, and you're obviously playing in cores. So I think you you probably should have at least two uh, pirates in, in your lineup. Yeah, I would say that's a safe bet. The way that I usually treat that is that it's tough to do a complete stack because you're looking at, you know, guys like Josh Harrison are more than Robinson Cano. Guys like mm. Jordy Mercer are priced higher than Troy Tulowitzki. That's a little bit too much for me. That's wonky. But I like to, uh, I'm going to have to get at least one or two of those guys in here. So for me, like if it comes down to Andrew McCutcheon or Mike Trout, I might lean McCutcheon because they're roughly the same price. Now, David Freeze burned me pretty hard on, on Monday, but he was only 3200 I believe, on Monday. And maybe that price might even go down after the zero performance and he, hitting out of the three spot in that order, mm-hmm. or I believe the four spot, that you know potentially gives him some chances for more. RBIs, for example. I also like John Jay, so whenever there's a right-handed, right-hander pitcher on the mound, because he's a lefty, he's going to sit against lefties there. So uh, that's kind of how I handle this Pirates stack uh, potential here. Uh, moving on to another game here, we've got uh, the Yankees at the Rangers. Now, John, in theory, stacking Rangers right-handers against CC Sabathia might seem like a pretty obvious move. CeCe's struggling a little bit this year, but uh, are there any reason you might want to back off from that stack? There actually is a little bit. I noticed that that CeCe 
you know, he, he got his first start of the year was pretty solid, and he's kind of come back to where we were expecting he was going to be over his last two outings. And the fact of the matter is, CC, he's he's getting up there in age. He's not going as deep into games, and it's clear that that Girardi has a pretty short hook with him. So even if the if the Rangers get to him early, I think that Girardi has it in the back of his mind that he knows once once Sabathia gets in trouble, he's got a guy up in the pen. Mm-hmm. And with that, you know the Stacking your righties against uh, Sabathia, your Rangers righties, they only might get to face him once, maybe twice through the order, and then you're going to have to go up against arguably the best bullpen in baseball. Mm-hmm. So you're really, it, it's a very like you got to nail it on the first go through the lineup. Otherwise, uh, it really might end up costing you because you'll be facing like man, uh, Andrew Miller, Batances. Yeah, indeed. Now even with the Yankees waiting on Araldis Chapman to come back. Both Miller and Batances are guys that are have big time strikeout power. Uh, they they throw hard, strike a ton of guys out, and are, are capable of lasting multiple innings if called upon to do so. So yep. definitely something you want to keep in the back of your mind if you're going to th- consider using a Ranger stack on Wednesday. Now, John, let's move the subject over to shortstops because I'll tell you what they have gotten quite pricey lately. Of course, with uh, Trevor Stories. Red hot start. He's right at the top of that list. Of course, Correa is up there as well. Usually, those guys are coming in at uh, you know forty six, forty seven hundred or more. And then, of course, you move on down the line, and you have the the, the Tulos and the Seegers of the world sure. of the world here. Uh, what's your general strategy when picking shortstops at this point in the season? You know, the the more that we've been getting into the new scoring uh, element. I'm kind of thinking that shortstop is a place where I, where I would kind of like to pay up uh, for a premium guy because they're going to get that extra uh, 0.3 points for their RBI. So a guy like Aledmus Diaz, who's more of a value guy, I really like his value, but he's kind of batting towards the bottom third of the order. I understand that he's batting close to 500 and his price is cheaper, but... Y- at this point, with the with the scoring change, I think I want a shortstop that has a lot more RBI potential. So I, I'd be willing to sacrifice a little bit uh, elsewhere to get a premium shortstop because the well dries up pretty quickly, in my opinion. You get, get guys that mm-hmm. uh, you might get three points out of tops. Exactly. You know, I, I do like the Lidman's Diaz uh, as, as an option just because of how he started, but you have to think that the price that you're paying for him these days is going to be almost his peak because you know yep. there's really nowhere to go but down from here. You know you hear regress to the mean all the time. So I mean you really when you're using Diaz and Daly, yeah, it helps ride that train, especially while the price has yet to catch up. But you do need to remember that you are buying high, and uh, you know it's very possible that some of his best days have been behind him as major sure. league pitchers start to get more film and start to figure him out a little bit more. Outside of Diaz, I actually really like using. Troy Tulowitzki in daily formats for whatever reason he still remains at 3500 which is uh it's kind of in the second tier of shortstops but he's someone that could easily go for multi-homers in any given game he doesn't lead off for the Blue Jays anymore he's kind of towards uh the 5-6 spot in the lineup right. there so uh and then of course we, we talked about the difference between RBIs and runs and how that's been making a difference lately so um I agree. The moral of the story with shortstops is find the hothead to ride once in a while. 
don't buy too high, but in more cases than not, it does pay to pay up for uh, somebody at shortstop, without a doubt. I think so, too. All right. So uh, moving on, just uh, the general strategy discussion here. Are there any hitters that you think have been hot lately or guys that you might want to target uh, for Wednesday's game? I know, for example, uh, Conforto from the Mets has been uh, on a tear lately. I think he's an option. I mean, are you using him on Wednesday or uh, considering some other guys? Uh, I'm definitely... I'm going to go with Conforto until I like can't afford him anymore. I mean the the guy is just like tearing the cover off the ball, slashing 378, 442, 757 with three bombs since moving up to the 3 spot and with Cespedes out and I I have a feeling that he might be sitting out Wednesday as well. Conforto might be hitting cleanup like he did on Tuesday. So that I mean that's even more RBI potential that we're talking about. Um and then there you know Matt Joyce was kind of like the the tournament darling on Monday because he he put up such a huge night at at such a low price, but he's back back up to like twenty eight hundred, I want to say. Uh, so he's kind of a guy that's getting expensive, and he's going to be facing a left, and he's going to be facing a lefty, so he might not even be in the lineup Wednesday. So I'm probably fading Matt Joyce. That's kind of like a you got it, you either got it or you didn't type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm paying up big. I uh, definitely like Rizzo at 4,600 going against Youngman, a lefty versus righty matchup. Yeah, so yeah, Rizzo and uh, even Nolan Arenado against John Neath, like you have uh, you have down here, is going to be a very solid matchup here. I tend to not pay up at first base a lot, just general. This is a personal trend for me. I don't pay up so much at first base because I always feel like I can find a three or a four hitter in the maybe 25 to 35 range so That's I can true. save some money and spend it elsewhere. It seems like a deep position to me, but on occasion there are times when a matchup like Rizzo's comes out and stands out like that that it is absolutely worth it to uh, pay up for a guy like that or you're going to get left in the dust here another uh, corner infielder that I particularly like a lot is Josh Donaldson he's going to be going up against the lefty lefty and Jose Quintana on Wednesday now Donaldson against left-handed pitcher is pretty much a lock in your daily lineups at whatever price he's at no matter what even if he gets up past 5,000 now sample size not very large against Quintana just nine at bats but three hits and one home run Roughly like you'd expect. I'd be willing to sure. wager. I mean, if I was in a home run pool and I had to pick one player that I was the most confident about homering on Wednesday, it would probably be Donaldson. Just, of course, as long as he's healthy and nothing, of course, happens before then. So, uh, you know, from that, we kind of move on to some stack options. And uh, I'm just going to kind of read off the higher over-unders on the day, give you a place to start for stacks. Then maybe we'll talk about some of these options a little bit. So the top games to target from a purely Vegas standpoint, of course, we mentioned Pirates, Nice, at Rockies, Gray, over under 11. Uh, no brainer there. You're going to get some piece of that game. Uh, find a way to, a, to in some way, shape, or form. Then we've got uh, the Yankees at Rangers. We already discussed that stack uh, over under 9. And then we have three games that check out with an over under at 8.5 before it starts to drop off a little bit. We've got Bud Norris and the Braves against Stephen Wright and the Red Sox. Josh Tomlin and the Indians against Kyle Gibson and the Twins. Uh, Tomlin actually been pitching pretty well. Gibson struggling a little bit on the other hand. We have Adam Wainwright and the Cardinals at Patrick Corbin and the Diamondbacks. Those last three I mentioned uh, over under of eight and a half. Are you targeting any of those, John, or do you have any other potential stacks that you uh, that you might have in mind? You know, uh, the the top of the Red Sox order has done me pretty well recently. Uh, their, their weekend down in Houston, I thought, went pretty well. I used uh, a good bit of their uh, frontline guys and it, it turned out pretty well and I'm just as an Orioles fan I've seen 
who Bud Norris is. Uh, I like Bud Norris, but uh, he's pitching for a Braves team that's probably not going to win. And I, I just think that uh, if you're going to target someone outside of that uh, Rockies game, I think maybe you start in Fenway, maybe grab a couple Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could I could see that. What about Seattle uh, left-handers against a pitcher like Colin McHugh, who's off to a very rocky start, has a 7-5-6 ERA and 1-3 and record to start the year? Usually you'll see a guy like Seth Smith draw into the order uh, when they're facing a right-hander, and he's he's been hitting them pretty well so far this year, and he's been hitting in a favorable part of the lineup. He's been uh, hitting second a good bit when he's in, so he's 2,500, and he's slashing 308, 440, 487 with a couple of home runs and seven RBI against right-handers, and like we said, it's a softer matchup uh, going against McHugh. So I like a Seattle left-hander. Uh, did you mention Adam Lind uh, burning you earlier? Or yep, that, exactly. Yeah, he's burned me too. But baseball's so cyclical; <laughs> it really is. And theoretically, uh, he could be the guy that clicks. And like you said, if you want to save at first base, Lind is a, Lind is a solid guy. And if you're going to play the matchup like that, why not? Yeah, part of the reason I played him uh, earlier in the week is because Lind checked in at just twenty two hundred. So saving at first base, kind of like the strategy I mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, that really opens up a lot of the lineup, especially if you go with a pitcher like Arietta for over $12,000. Definitely. Well, MLB season is here, and that means daily fantasy baseball is back. Go to FanDuel.com to play now. Building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stay under the salary cap, and sit back tonight and watch your team win. Entry fees start at just $1, so anybody can play. Remember to go on over to FanDuel.com, check that out, get involved in the action. Now, we spent a lot of the first part of the show, John, talking about cash game options or uh, hitters to target if you're going to pay up for pitching. Now let's kind of shift gears a little bit and move on down to the tournament strategy for pitchers, which uh, is almost the exact opposite uh, strategy where you're trying to target a bit of a cheaper pitcher and save up to get those big stacks. Maybe get uh, ensure you get a share of Donaldson or Arenado, yep. Rizzo, McCutcheon. To get those guys in your lineup, you're going to have to have a cheap pitcher. Do you have one in mind? I do, actually. Uh, I'm going to go with Nick Tropiano, uh, who's on the Angels, and he's going to be at home going against the Royals. And Tropiano is about as cheap as you're going to see a pitcher right now at 5800 And he actually owns a 1.69 ERA over his three starts. So he's been actually off to an excellent start, uh, very uh, kind of under the radar. Not a lot of people are talking about the Angels. It's hard. It's, you, maybe Mike Trout just eats so much of their headline space you don't really hear about much else but yeah Tropiano's off to a really nice start um and there's just there's a lot to like about him this this matchup's not the greatest so that might that might cause people to stay off of him the line's about even the there's a slight edge uh leaning towards the angels it looks like the angels uh lineup has started to pick things up a little bit so maybe Tropiano will get some run support Mm -hmm. um so I think just based on that price plus he's at home going against a team that doesn't hit a ton of home runs I think he's definitely worth a flyer, and he's. I mean, you can really bulk up your lineup with a pitcher at fifty eight hundred. Yeah, absolutely. That gives you so many options to uh, go with a lot of the top tier hitters. I do like Tropiano. His one six nine ERA is backed up by a two eight three FIP. So uh, you know it, it's not entirely fluky. A uh, little bit worrisome might be a five two two X FIP. I very rarely. It's a small sample size, which is probably why you see the rare difference in numbers. Just a quick explanation: X FIP mm-hmm. is uh, expected fielder 
independent pitching where home runs are calculated as 10.5% of fly balls induced. So, uh, you know, the fly ball rate, uh, you know, must be uh, quite a bit lower than normal for that. But, uh, you know, maybe a word of caution on Tropiano, but I I do like him pitching at home. And I think uh, for a tournament to free up some cash, He's pretty good. Now, outside of Tropiano, I had a real hard time picking out some cheaper price guys. I actually like going over to the middle tier, guys in the 86 to $9,200 range. So while they're not going to free up a ton of cap space, they will free up, you know, 3000 compared to a guy like Arietta or even one of the 9800 99 guys like Harvey. So a few guys to consider. Uh, Jeff Samarja, he's 2-1 with a 3 ERA, and he's against the strikeout-prone and offensively-challenged Padres. Uh, I have liked to pick on the Padres this year almost as much as I'd like to pick on the Brewers uh, or even even the Astros just for the big strikeout potential. But uh, the thing with Samarja is it is there's a 15-game slate on, on Wednesday, and he's in the only early game of the day. I think that's tippy, or first pitch at 245 Eastern time there. So chances are, unless you get that lineup very early, you're not going to be able to use Shark on Wednesday. So, you know, moving on to another $8,600 option, I do kind of like Josh Tomlin. Twins uh, tend to strike out a little bit, and uh, I mean, I, I mean, more than a little bit. Yeah, Twenty-four. Tanner Roark yeah. just buzzsawed them this weekend. Exactly. Good lord. Yeah, guys like uh, Sano picking it up a little bit. I mean, Buxton got sent down recently. Mm-hmm. Outside of Joe Mauer, who's uh, you know channeling his 2000 like. 10 form to, I don't know, 2008 to, I'm not sure what his good years are offhand, (laughs) but like outside of him, that lineup's struggling pretty bad to the tune of a 24.2% strikeout rate. And then you have Tomlin with a 1.54 ERA, kind of like Tropiano, because that is uh, backed up by a 273 whip. Now, the price difference to me, these two pitchers have very similar numbers. But if you had to pick between the two, you almost want to take Tropiano just because the numbers are the same and you're saving a lot of money because his price hasn't quite caught up like Josh Tomlin's has. Right. Also, you're going to have to pay up a little bit for this. He borderline fits in our elite option uh, when we talk about cash games. That's Gio Gonzalez of the fi- against the Phillies. He sits at 9,200, so that's quite a bit. But again... He's currently uh, posting a three-year best, 9.47 strikeout per nine innings rate. And just like those other two options, has a 1.42 ERA backed up by a 2.29 FIP. So even stronger in that department than some of the other yeah, options. Definitely like Gio. Yeah, you're just going to have to pay for it. And, and Gio is good for tournaments because he's a little bit up and down like a roller coaster. He'll sure. have big-time strikeout games, and then he might have a blowout outing or two mixed up in there. So uh, maybe not the safest option for cash games, but someone that you probably want to lean towards more in tournaments. Finally, if you're looking for a real, real deep flyer, might want to check in and see who replaces Jared Cozart in the Marlins rotation. He was sent down to the minors uh, Tuesday, and uh, if his replacement is even included in the pool, he should be at minimum price. So keep an eye on that. Tune into Rotowire for that information. I've heard speculation of maybe Nicolino. It's just not confirmed yet. Mm-hmm. Either way, he's going against a tough Dodger lineup, but a struggling Scott Cashmere is on the mound. So, uh, right. you know, at least a slight coin flip or a dart, I guess, uh, for a win there. So decent amount of plays that you can consider for tournaments uh, for the Wednesday slate of games. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Remember that first-time FanDuel depositors that make a deposit of $25 or more via Rotowire can get six months of complimentary Rotowire access for free. Otherwise, uh, if you are an existing FanDuel user, feel free to check out rotowire.com on your own. Just go to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash pod, and you'll get a free 10 days of access on the house. No credit card, no strings attached. 
Once again, I am Jake Latarski, and if you are out there on Twitter, give me a follow at jakeski52. And I'm John McKechnie. You can find me on Twitter over at Johnny McKex. That's J-O-H-N-N-Y-M-C-K-E-C-H-S. The Rotowire Daily Fantasy Baseball Podcast will return Thursday with Benny Riccardi and James Seltzer. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.